Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the Talking Cop. I'm Gav, that's Keith, that's Jamie, that's Dunner. Um, Liverpool have lost the way to Toulouse 3-2 in the Europa League. We're going to have a quick chat about that, but we're also going to talk about the Premier League tonight. That's what we're here for. We're going to talk about the high line when you've five players on the pitch and uh, you play on the halfway line. We're going to talk about the sack race and anything else that comes up in the chat. If you have anything else around the Premier League that you want to speak about, speak now or forever hold your... What do you hold, Keith? Forever yeah, hold your... Your piss. Yeah, I don't think it is that Keith, but we'll go with it. Right, fair enough. Um, yeah, peace. Anyway, Forever hold your peace. Peace. Sorry, Keith. Did I mishear you or did I hear you properly forced? You heard me properly forced, time, Gav. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. You heard me properly. Right, we'll go with going. peace. Okay, peace. No, Forever mustache, hold it's getting your, in your way. peace. Um, let's start with Toulouse against Liverpool. Liverpool have been beaten. They still remain top of the group, nine points. Um, four games gone, two games left, one away at. Union Saint Gilles, is that? Gilles, yeah. And yeah. Uh, home to LASK. One win there will top the group for Liverpool, so that's all good and that. But Dunner, and um, the lads have done an error on on uh, the post match. It's it's now available to download because I'm the best boy. Um, but Man. what's your reaction, Dunner? What just the performance? A performance with muck. Call a spade a spade. It was muck. Uh, <laughs> Very poor gap, but look, I think they just went out with the impression that they were just going to stroll through this game. Um, you know, it was just a matter of turning up. It felt like that at times throughout it, but when they go, they did get themselves back into it towards the end, and obviously, controversial decision takes away a point, but overall, just poor, really poor. Again, Simicas, I, I don't know, he's just not the answer, lads. I Genuinely, I'm, I'm really struggling to see how he benefits this side in any way shape or form he's a he's a bomb scare every time yeah but he's good vibes that's why they gave him a new contract <laughs> good vibes but he he still needs he's still three years there looks like he needs just a big sleep he always looks <laughs> yeah, like he needs a big sleep like he needs he needs he needs he's a man ma- that's just had a couple of kids new yeah, kids he needs he needs he needs his man to turn around on Friday and go listen I'm gonna take the kids I'll bring them back Sunday and he just gets into bed that's what he needs yeah he but looks like Callahill when they do that, he just goes out on the lash down for the two days. Well, just plays that. Xbox for two days and then the kids show up again. Yeah, yeah, probably does. Jamie, look, the, the the performance wasn't great. And my overall thing with this is um, this isn't, for me, something that you see tonight. I think you see this against Bournemouth um, in the League Cup. I think you definitely see it against Luton. And I think you see it again tonight. And I think it's an application thing. I think Liverpool for whatever reason, are going into these games, regardless of what lineup we put out, feeling we'll just go into this game and we're Liverpool and we'll just win this game. And I think it's coming back to haunt them. I think it, very close at Bournemouth. It did at Luton and it's done again tonight. They just seem to go out and be stuck in second gear and it's all their own doing. That's that's my opinion on it over the last three anyway. 
it's a strange one because they got loads of plaudits throughout the course of the season for how they've started. Um, and it's it's hard when you look at that game in isolation to not get too carried away because you can forgive teams for, for for not being right at it when you know you're playing against Toulouse away. It's a you know it's a little bit of a patchwork side. They don't start with the intensity that you would expect, um, and I think that's probably the thing that worries me the most. And I'm not overly concerned with the results. I think the performance was poor. Um, I, I think there was individuals that probably didn't take centre stage, didn't make the most of their opportunity, Simakas being one of them. It's the, it's the lack of intensity for me that's probably the, the, the main issue. I think when you look at the type of teams that Klopp's had over the years, energy, enthusiasm, he, he spoke about it post-match. He said about the fact that we didn't win any duels. That... That is that, that that is the starting point for any performance. You have to you know to, to go back to the old cliche. You have to win your battles. Liverpool didn't win a battle all over the pitch all night. So that that's the thing that probably worries me the most. And um, I still think we're trying to work out a few players. Like if you look at uh, McAllister tonight, I think he's an unbelievable footballer, an absolute joy to watch. Didn't really didn't really play too well in the more advanced role, which everyone's been kind of crying out for him to do. I think Liverpool misplaced so many passes. So if, if you look at any type of performance, it doesn't matter who you play against. If you're not going to win your duels and you're going to give the ball away cheaply, you're going to ask for trouble and, and ultimately we, we come unstuck. And, it, and yeah, look, there was decisions that went against us, but we shouldn't have even been in that situation anyway. If Liverpool had applied themselves with the right type of intensity and kept the ball better, we'd, we'd have been out of sight. Yeah, because like uh, Taurus is there to lose force to every ball. And Keith... Like we slag Emma every Sunday night because Emma um, didn't even tell, say this, but we just tell him he did. Where he basically thinks Liverpool go behind on purpose to try rev themselves up and then go and win games. And listen, Emma, if he, even if he's watching, we don't care. We're just going to keep doing that to him every Sunday, right? But this is what European games are all about, Keith. Regardless of what the, what competition it's in, regardless of what players you have on the pitch, because they're all first team players on that pitch, right? You go out for the first fifteen and get stuck in. Quiet in the crowd after 15, they get a bit fucking touchy. They start pulling themselves out of position and you go on, and then you go and, you know, impose yourself on a game. But we're not doing that, Keith, and we haven't done that in the last three games. It's like, I'll let them do what they're doing because we're better than them. But we haven't shown to be better than these teams in the last three. Yeah, I mean, it's probably gone further back than the last three, if I'm being honest. You know, it's been something that's been happening for a while. We don't put our, our our foot on the throat to teams early. And I don't know why, because, look, it's one of the most basic. If you play football or coach football at any level, it'll be one of the most basic things in the world that, you know, you put them under pressure there. You sound like Jack Charlton saying that. You put them under pressure, but you don't let them get into the game. Do you know what I mean? You can't let a team of any quality get in and start fast in the game. And I don't understand why Liverpool are doing it. And... I said it, you know, I used to enjoy the Liverpool where they come out of traps and just go at teams and fucking chase them down. And, you know, the four sort of incantation of Jürgen Klopp's Liverpool. And we haven't seen it in years. You know, we haven't seen it in years. And I'm sort of used to the fact that we won't see it anymore. The last three games, I agree, the application has been terrible because we haven't been winning battles. You know, as Jamie said, you win your duels. If you don't win your duels... Yeah, you've no chance. And we look at teams, we look at poor teams over the last few years, teams that we've given stick to, like Manchester United, for example, or other teams, not just them, Chelsea. Cowards, 
go in, they don't put the effort in, they get overrun. Um, and it just shows that they don't have that that effort. And Liverpool have always been a team that have put in and prided themselves on the work, on the hard work. And we're not seeing it at the moment. But I'm just hoping it's down to a little bit of um, the, the good momentum that we started the season with, with the fixture, sort of the way the fixtures piled up and the way the results we got. I think we're maybe slowing back a little bit from that. The Diaz situation probably hasn't helped within the squad. I do look a close, close knit squad. I think that may, I'm not looking to use it as an excuse, but I just think little things like that that are going on. But I just think the last three games, they have maybe been a noticeable drop off from what we'd expect from them. But look, it's, it's the way I look at it is someone put it in the chat earlier. You can lose these games or whatever. They're not, not that they're not important, but you know, ultimately, we, in my opinion, we'll still win that Europa League group will still qualify into the next round. But you don't want to carry on and carry on because we've got Brentford, isn't it, at the weekend mm. and then an international break. And, you know, we get screwed over on international breaks. We always have. Then it's Man City. You know, we can't let this complacency carry on. And if you're not going to put your foot on the throat of teams and you're not going to win your battles and you're not going to go in and put the effort in at the start of games, you're going to get punished. And big, good, big teams will punish us with that. Mm. Well... Average teams have punished us exactly um, in the last two, um, and like they shouldn't really be. Uh, Brian Jardine with a super chat uh, said, "Sending all love to all the lads doing November." Yeah, listen, I've, um, November. The link is in the description. Um, go and donate. As I've said before, I'm taking lists of people who are donating. So if if you don't donate, don't come near me looking for fucking money at me or donations at me ever again. Um, that's how serious I'm getting over this. Because look, I have to. Gav, are you Sean. not cheating a little bit there, mate? No, You've what? got a little bit more growth on the old chin. I oh, no, that's just November... no, that's just because I only shave once a week, so the, the, the clean shaving goes on tomorrow. Um, oh, right, so I've, I've, I've thought I've the idea it. in November was to go like yeah, no, I, I do, but week. I passed it with fucking um, the the head of the head of operations, Shani, and Shani said it's okay because Shani's the head, the head of, of facial hair. Um, so no, I couldn't shave every day to keep it clean. I, I've I said I did. The school I'd made a complaint about him coming up picking up the young one, Jamie. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like Emma said. Emma said, "I want to join in on this, but uh, I have a te- parent teacher meeting during the week, and I don't <laughs> want to look like someone off a register, which is fair enough." Um, but thanks for being the Brian Jardine. Um, yeah. Well, it's just it's just thinking here. Is there a case to be made when you look at the last couple of games um, where we feel the intensity and in that has dropped off? You know, coming into games we bit lackluster and stuff. Is there a case to be made where Van Dyke doesn't start? And is that leadership quality taken out of the side? And there's nobody, there's no other real senior player there that's loud on the pitch, that's a real leader in terms of organization and willing to stick a rocket up people's holes. Like Van Dyke will give out to everyone. Like Salah, he's a lead, he leads by example in terms of while well, he'll go and score a goal, he'll do something big for you in a game, but he won't be shouting at lads or dictating. Robbo's a big miss for that, isn't he, as well? Robbo, as well, is another one. Like Maddox starts are. Canada, they're quiet centre halves in my opinion. Just watching on, uh, you look at like an Allison, like yeah, Ali's a big leader as well, I suppose. But I don't know, just you know, you even go back to there was more senior figures there last year, even though we were terrible in the previous years, that would be able to dictate a wee bit more around the pitch. And just you even look at tonight, like Madip and Kwanzaa, like that's a very quiet centre half pairing. And then in the midfield, it was a very young, maybe. And then Endo, like he's not going to be. 
he's not going to be shouting his mouth too much. He's not going to be leading just yet. It's just off the top of my head. It's just yeah. something to be. The, the, there could be an argument for that, but Van Dijk starts against Luton. You but know, the game and, should be dead and buried against Luton, though. Uh, correct. That's, so, that's, that, so that's chances missed. I think missed, that should but, be dead and buried within 20 minutes. But but look, I get that. But And, you know, there is players that can be loud and, and you know, get them, and Henderson was famous for it. You know, and even Henderson in his dwindling kind of year or two before he leaves was still a big influence on that team. If you go back if you go back and listen to the likes of Ben Foster talking about Jordan Henderson, how loud he was, how he not even how he was playing, how he had all them players literally running through walls from during the matches. But then you have a manager and you have a full staff there. You know, and these players aren't like brand new players. Well some of them are. But that what I mean by that, they're not players that have no no experience of this. No experience of playing big games, no experience of Europe. Do you know what I mean? And it, Surely if a manager sees it there, he gets them and goes, hold on, what are we doing here? You know what I mean? So I get the whole leadership thing, but there's plenty on that sideline. And there's still plenty in that team that have won European Cups and won leagues. Do you know that sort of way? So I get what you're saying, but I just think it's a, it's, it's a collective thing where it just seems to go out and they just seem to be in this gear. And it's like, can we get, they don't seem to be able to shift it. And it's all their own doing. I think there has to be an element of self-policing, though, and I think I agree with you, Donna. I think we have certainly got a lot less characters at the moment, but there has to be an element of self-policing in that a lot of these players were nearly in the shop window for the manager. Like, this was an opportunity for them to stake a claim. You look at Cody Gakpo, for example, it, it kind of feels like Nunes has maybe stole a little bit of a march on him at the moment. He's got an opportunity. Harvey Elliott's been fantastic off the bench, I think, this season, but he gets his stars. There, you know, there's, there's, there's loads of little storylines throughout the team, and I don't think any of the players really took the, the, the game by the scruff of the neck. The other thing that, and I don't know why, whenever I seem to say this, online people seem to get the knickers in a twist do you know who we've really missed the last couple of games is curtis jones curtis yeah, jones is, is is really important to this liverpool team and i feel like he's fell into the the role of remember the way people used to slag henderson and Ginny van alden as in what do they do do you know what they do they set the tempo they keep the ball they 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 know the rhythm of the game they know what the, the game needs does it need somebody to drive does it need somebody to keep the ball curtis jones is absolutely top top level at keeping the ball um, right. and at times tonight Liverpool gave the ball away so cheaply and then if you look at it in isolation first goal comes from an individual error then all of a sudden the crowd are up you you need somebody to get on the ball and calm things down it didn't feel like we had somebody to to do to do that so I think he's been a big miss yeah I think like Curtis Jones I think the only my only thing at Curtis Jones was he moved the ball too slow um, and slowed us down but when you actually see him in this more, he plays a similar position to what he played a year ago, but he plays a completely different for me. He plays in a much more mature way. And I think the fluidity... He's definitely that, moving it quicker, Gavin. Yeah, and, and, but the fluidity of, you know, not stuck down the left-hand side, quarters could be seen deepest, quarters could be seen right, he could be seen left, and in turn, them players around him would shift around as they go. Because Liverpool are trying to be a bit more fluid in that kind of three, I think, rather than just, there's a big six, you know, a number six, and then we go from there. And he has been missed. And... Any player that's out in this squad is a miss. But at the same time, we've like for the majority of players that don't play there tonight, it's a choice that we haven't played them. You know, Graven Birch is a knock, Jones is a knock, Van Dyke is left out, you know, does Canate is left out, Allison is left out. It's a choice. And the manager, at the very least, should expect those players to go in and play the way 
Liverpool expect to play and that's not how Liverpool are expected to play simply not that and you can throw some of that at the manager if you like and I think that's absolutely fair as well just quickly around the table though um, everyone's talking about this Kwanzaa being rolled of a goal and I felt really fucking sorry for him because I think he's going to be I've said I, I've, I'd say I've said it before and say it again. He's a, he's a forced he's a centre back for Liverpool for the next ten plus years for me. Um, just the way he plays, I think is brilliant. Um, but quickly around the table, goal is disallowed. They go back eight phases. They find McAllister's handled the ball. It's come off his chest and then hit his hand. Um, me and Dunner had a big conversation about it before we come on. But Keith, where are you on it? We're out going right down the VAR of leading rabbit hole. Where are you on it? Goal should have stood for me the phase is too far back um, deflects off his body onto his arm doesn't lead directly to a goal like what the fuck are they looking at here do you know what I mean like it's a handball okay but I, I know there was only guidelines people are saying the rule is this you either have guidelines recommendations of what should happen but to me it just didn't seem to hit the criteria to be going back like you said it is about seven or eight phases back isn't it eight. like there's a few bits eight fucking phases like you're joking me um a lot happens between then and the goal look it does hit his arm there's no denying that Jorgen tried to say it doesn't but it does hit his arm but it deflects off his body look I think it should have been given but I'm biased so you know I don't I don't know the rule I all I could think of I don't think anyone does anymore well well I I, all I could think of was saying to Dunna before all I could think of the only one I can think of like this is the Firmino one away at Spurs about two seasons ago where we're winning um, he takes the, he gets tackled the ball hits his hand he plays it through I think Thiago plays in it might be Mane and Mane scores and, but it's disallowed or whatever or Salah or one of them um, and that's the only one I could think of I was like are we still doing that are we not are, I don't know Dunner um, you think it should be a goal I know that much oh, 100% it's a goal I don't think there's any argument whatsoever for it not to be a goal but obviously UEFA have these rules that they put in they implement in Europe which is a joke in itself because everyone, every league and every competition should be under the same rulings. There shouldn't be any differences throughout any any other leagues or any other competitions. It's just, that's just mental in itself. But it's way, way, way too far back in play for it to matter what happens at the at the very end. It's just, it doesn't make any sense to me, yeah. to me personally, anyway. And it's not handball in my opinion. Okay, Jamie. Yeah, but what the lad said, I, I was confused because. I thought there was a there was I can't remember what the decision was, but there was something that happened for Liverpool earlier on the season. I think it was a handball in a box, and it hit somebody at somebody's leg first, and then up. I think it was it might have been Van Dijk. I think Van Dijk against uh, Brighton. Was that what it was? Yeah, and yeah. It, and it hit him first, and then went up into his arm, and it was just pretty much universal that it was okay. Well, it's deflected off him, so therefore it's it's not a handball. So whichever way you look at it, first of all, I don't think it's a handball because it genuinely hits his leg first and goes up into him or hits his side. Um, but then are we now at this? Well, I know we are. I'm sorry, Gav, to go down the rabbit hole that you told me not to go down. But yeah. are we now at the stage that we're just looking for reasons to disallow goals and we're going to go all the way back to eight phases until we find something? Because this, off the back of the Spurs game against Chelsea, it kind of feels like that's what we're doing now in that when something happens like a goal... They have to go through this whole process to try and find reasons why shouldn't something, why a goal shouldn't stand, rather than looking for reasons why it should. And that, for me, it's just it's killing the game, absolutely killing the game. I don't well, know. Has UEFA done? Well, some it says sorry. Well, Chris Hockley, carnage. Chris Hockley says here, UEFA changed the rule that handballs won't be checked 
unless it's a goal scorer. Chris Golding says ref bottle. The players all over him, and the crowd was deafening for the thirty seconds. Where, um, while he's doing his Mister Bean impression, um, and Sam Tandy says Toulouse literally touched the ball a couple of times as well. Um, Darren Fields yeah. was one hundred percent the handball. Sam says whether it's a handball or not, it's a goal regardless. As that happened about twenty seconds before the goal, it's madness. But Gav, as I said to you off air already as well, is the frame the referee sees automatically once he goes to that screen is a freeze frame of the ball yeah. touching McAllister's arm. This has to stop. That it's the same with Jones and it was the same with Rashford last night. It's these freeze frames that are implementing all the all the wrong that's going on in the game at the moment as well. Yeah. A freeze frame is the you can't it doesn't make any sense to use that you have to show it in real time not even in slow-mo show it in real time because that's how you make a proper judgment on it do you know how bad it is done it do you know how bad it is you know those terrible social media sites that the banter sites that when something happens they pop up they did that for the van dyke one at brighton where they did a still of the ball hitting his arm and said can you believe liverpool got away with this one and it's like what are you doing? Watch the video. You knew it clearly didn't hit his arm, and it's yeah. the same as what they're doing with the with the VAR. Well, but that but shouldn't look, be your first. That shouldn't be your first line of sight for a referee when he comes to a screen. There's, but, there's, but you see, he's being called to a screen to make black and then play the footage. Yeah, but but you see, the thing is, it, it all comes from VAR. Would have said to him, "You need to go back and look at this." Now VAR are in the position to turn around, and go, "Hold on, that's eight phases ago, and um, we're not going back for that." So, in fairness, the referee is probably just given it. Have a look at this. Do you think it's a handball? Um, whereas maybe he should say, "When did this happen?" Well, it was eight phases ago. Oh well, fuck that. Fuck that. You know what I mean? Like, there's, there's still split in in the chat. Like, <clears throat> Paul Garmy says, "UEFA rules clearly state it's not a handball if it comes off another part of the body forced." Yeah. Right. Um. Uh. You. Uh. Let me see. Um. And actually says UEFA specifically changed the guidelines this year to be more relaxed with regards to deflected balls onto the arm but there was somebody else in the chat there and it's just gone out my screen said look it, they feel the that he did control the ball with his arm so it is um uh robert mcguire says his arm controlled the ball it's a handball for him so there is there is you know varying stuff on it but look i Did keep saying it and I, like we don't show question, much gav that hasn't been answered either is why did he give the goal he points to the center circle yeah. yeah, and then he flips. He flips two seconds later and says, "Wait, now I'm going back to the screen." So obviously VAR have gone through the process with him and says, "No, we're good to go. We're good to go. Give the goal." And then all of a sudden they're flipping again. So it's 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 same in England now, and it's obviously the same in Europe. These people cannot work this operation. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah, they say, like how can you get a goal given and then again we're back, we're pedaling back, we're pedaling back constantly. Yeah, and look, it, I can guarantee if you go online now, you're going to find, you know, supporters of other clubs saying, oh, well, look, happens everywhere. And that's the biggest issue for me. It's one of the biggest issues. And I, I'm, I'm sick saying it. Until the tribalism stops and actually people start, like, engaging their brain on what they're seeing rather than just engaging what scarf they have around their neck or what bleeding wallpaper they have in their bedroom walls. It, it's never going to change because it just gives the people that are making these decisions the opportunity to, you know, stay hiding the corner there and wait until it all goes passes. Um, look, it's happened. We've lost. Um, and I think, you know, we have to react 
on Sunday. We have to go into this international break off the back of a league win where we're not we've not lost any more ground on anyone around us. Get that break. You know, someone mentioned earlier, you know, not being great, the whole Lewis Diaz situation, um, you know, hasn't been anyway pleasant although I thought I read something today saying his father's being released I could be wrong um, yeah, he is, yeah. He is yeah, yeah so there you go that's, that's absolutely fantastic news and again that's bigger news than Liverpool losing tonight in fairness um, but look Liverpool want to get another win under that belt get that international break out of the way go into the City game and see where it takes us um, let's get off Liverpool for a minute and let's go to the Premier League because that's what we're meant to be here for um, Monday night was fucking mayhem Right, absolute mayhem. Um, Spurs against Chelsea, goals disallowed. Fellas getting yellows when they should have been red. Fellas getting sent more off. drama Penalties. than an episode of uh, Love oh, Island. Jesus was. Christ, it was. Uh, and you know what the gas thing was? What you know when your 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 scores up? You know when you go? Do you know what? I watch the highlights. I go into my score app and it just comes up the game. You click on the game and it says highlights. It's an official highlights YouTube thing from the Premier League. This thing was about fucking eight minutes long. They usually about two and a half minutes. This thing was going up forever. Um. But the big thing to come over, right, and this isn't the bash sports. I think they've, they've done really well this season on a squad that I think is quite limited in numbers and maybe a little bit in quality when you look beyond 12, 13 players. Um, <clears throat> but, Keith, I'll come to you first. They lose the game, and they lose the game because, in my opinion, the decisions aside, and Postacoglu finds himself in a situation where, for me, he has, even with nine men, I think he has Chelsea where he wants them. Can't break through him. You know, they don't seem to fucking have any ideas. And he continues to play this high line. And he's, for some reason, which is mad, and it doesn't surprise me anymore with the way punditry has gone. I, use the word, I always use the word punditry very loosely. But he's come off the back of this where people are going, he learned a lot from that. Fair play to him. He's been very brave. He was a fucking Egypt, Keith. Let's be perfectly honest about it. A Premier a League manager down to nine men playing seven men or eight men across a line on the halfway line is fucking preposterous. Chelsea's only strength is nipping forwards. That's all. That's all they have. Like, Nippy Carpathians. Awful fucking team. Nippy Carpathians, a few of them yeah. running in behind. And that's all they have. And he done it. And I couldn't believe the I I can't believe the reaction to it, the the amount of like brave shouts and all that, like as if he was after being in the trenches with them. Like and I don't mean to steer it back to Liverpool, but you look how we sort of tried to manage that sports game. We dug in, we held off, and as right, we lost the game. Both both teams got zero points. We we dug in, what about that team with ten? We go down to nine, we dig in. It's a 96th minute fucking own goal that breaks Liverpool down. Spurs celebrate it like they've won the World Cup. I've no problem with that. I think that's a, a mentality he's trying to get in there. Klopp done it with early days with Liverpool as well. So I've no issue with how Spurs done that. But he then goes in. It's very similar. Ten players. He was never the better team in my opinion. But goes down to nine and starts this defending on the line. I couldn't believe it. When you've got a Chelsea team that has Raheem Sterling, and Raheem Sterling is on form this year, so it's not like you can look at him and say, well, he's not great. Mudrick is an absolute can of piss, but he's a fast can of piss. So you have his pace on the on the wing. You've Cole Palmer still in there. He was a good attacking player. And you've Nicol Nicholas Jackson, like pace. That's all he is as well. And they're playing that high line. I couldn't fucking believe it. They were one all. Was it one all? Yeah, it goes two one. Then when they're down to nine, then they 
get an equaliser gets chalked off so they're still in the game and then he continues to fucking do it and they just getting caught time and time i couldn't believe it every time i was surprised a better team would have hit them for about eight mm. and they got done for one and people are trying to convince you that Ange Postacoglu deserves all the credit in the world for being brave and not flipping away from his, his beliefs that football should be attacking and fast. Well, no, I'm sorry. We're all football fans here, right? I think we're all fairly knowledgeable in this sort of Speak sphere, you know, of talking. Well, I, I was speaking for myself and Jamie Good. and Dunner, but I'd throw you in because <laughs> I'm guilty by association. <laughs> But I don't mean just right. I'm just noting that. Hold on, just for just 28 mean, minutes to get something back here. Go on. <laughs> the four of us, right, on this, and, and every other lad that comes onto the show and contributes and Jamie shows and things like that, they all know football, right? You don't come on and talk about this if you don't know a bit about ball. I could not believe a manager was that naive, a Premier League manager was that naive that he goes to play with nine men on the halfway line in a game in a premier league game when they're top of the league or they they could have gone back to top of the league i literally couldn't believe what i was saying it's the most naive managerial thing and they'll tell you it's it's excellent and it's brave and it's sticking to your principles your principles are you get that fucking win do you know what i mean get the win oh, you, you get, get the, the point the get out. Oh, you get the point you get something you don't get marmaladed like they did for yeah. one to the you've one handed the a hat to a fella that can't hit fucking snow yeah. off a rope a fella got a hat trick. He got about five rating, and he got a hat trick. <laughs> yeah, you know I mean? yeah. fucking brilliant. And he nearly yeah. fell over in the process of getting that hat trick. I know. He, oh. I'm telling you now, right? Go back and look at the goal when he's running in for his hat trick. He gets pulled back by a ghost. Oh, it's amazing. I said it to Sean. He look, look at it again. He gets pulled back by a ghost running through on goal. It was amazing. Um, <clears throat> but Jamie, like. <sighs> There's all about sticking to your principles, right? And if you go down to 10, you stick to your principles where it could be, let's say sports remain at 10 and sports say to themselves, look, we're going to stick with a high line. That we're going to go, we're still on a four. We're going to stick to the high line. and But we're obviously going to have to just one up front. So when we get it, we're going to have to work a bit harder to stick to our principles. But to stick into your principles and then there's just literally handing Chelsea a win. And loads of people have made this point, but I'll throw it out there. If Klopp, Guardiola, Arteta, Eric Ten Hag, most fucking definitely, if they're in that position at home against Chelsea and they're down to nine men and they're standing with eight players along the halfway line while Chelsea have it 20 yards inside their own half, there will be literally a week on Sky Sports News of every fucking no-mark that's ever played football telling you how it was a disaster and what's he thinking. And I'm going to put it to you. Shawnee said it to me. He said, they're building this fella up to knock him down. And this was the pinnacle of building someone up, wasn't it? it the Spurs thing confuses me. <coughs> Big Ange has, has done a good job in that everybody is singing from his hymn sheet at the moment. He can do no wrong. Um, it blew my mind what I was watching. And going back to very basic levels of football, when you lose possession, or if you're down to 10 men, or in, in this case, nine men, you kind of take your medicine and do what Liverpool did. You get a bank of four or you get three in front of the four and you don't move. You don't get dragged around the pitch. You just stay solid and, and, and you look to clip the ball down the channels and, and that will be it. We take, we take our medicine. He could not have made it more easy for Chelsea. It, was just, it wasn't a case of if Chelsea score, they just had to time their run right. And 
the, the way home for them was a run from deep that's not tracked and it's clipped over the top. And, and a better side genuinely would have scored 10 goals there. But to be fair, the thing that confuses me most about Tottenham is nobody seems to be talking about they've had a bit of a, 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 bit of a handy run of fixtures. They've spawned the way through loads of results. Liverpool dominated them with less players on the pitch. And it took an own goal in the last minute. Like, if they hadn't have got that result, it was an absolute disgrace. Liverpool yeah. didn't have an out ball. We basically played with a back four and I think three in front of them. And that was it. There was there was literally no out ball. So I'm I'm not buying what Tottenham are selling. And um, to be fair, I, I do actually like some of the things that the manager has said. He seems a likable guy. And the one thing that he's been able to do quite in short in quite a short space of time is create a bit of a siege mentality, which I think is important. I think they've had when I say big wins. The way that they've won late, you know, that that always creates a stir amongst the fan base. But the carry on generally about Spurs winning the league after a short number of games, like everybody just needs to relax. Tottenham, in my opinion, won't even get in the top four and people are carrying on like they were going to walk the league and um, he will improve them. Um, I really do like James Madison. I think he's a great player. I think Tottenham have good footballers in their team. But in my honest opinion, over the course of a Premier League season, they, they, they are a level below the likes of a Liverpool, a City, um, uh, Liverpool, City, Arsenal. And in my opinion, I think that Newcastle are a better side than, than Tottenham. So I think everybody just needs to cool the Jets a little bit. But yeah, whatever, whatever Ange is doing at the moment, he can do no wrong. Yeah, Torres is there, Gav. There was, there was months of the Reds, the Liverpool getting uh, criticism for a high line, right? And, you know, this might have been around the time when Liverpool finished second with 97 points, um, where it was like, oh, they're, they're much more of a high line, they're pressing up here, they're pressing up there and stuff like that. But there's a difference between playing 30 yards from your goal and, to- and 35 yards from your goal as opposed to 50 fucking yards from your goal with nine players. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm telling you now, Liverpool in their highest line area go down to nine men. They're not playing a high line. It's simple as that. You, you adjust to what you're doing. Like, honestly, when I was watching this the other night, do you remember when you used to play football as a kid? And even even if you play at a, a decent level, not you might be fucking semi-professional, Leinster Senior League, whatever it is, right? And you see a fella that has the cop where these, this team is pushing out and he just chips it over the top for himself. And everyone looks and goes, ah, oh, for fuck's sake, he's had to deal with that. And he runs through on goal. That's what it felt like it was going to be. I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen countless amount of times while playing football, right? I'm being on a pitch where it's happened to me, and whereas I've seen a player belong to me do it, where they just look and go, these are constantly rushing out, and at one stage I'm just going to chip this over and go running after. And that's what it felt like to me. Like, like Dunner, I don't know who it was came out after and says, I might have been Carragher. And you learn a lot from this. Like, the only thing Ange Postecoglou should learn from this is, lads, when I get down to nine men, I just can't. I just have to adjust to the situation. That's the only thing he's learning from it. Yeah, it's already been said sorry, how naive he was in uh, in going to that, in staying that high. I wouldn't mind, but like I think it was Keith pointed out earlier on, Chelsea can't play against a low block. If you sit in, they have no way of breaking you down. They don't have the players to do it. Mm-hmm. Mudrick isn't going to open you up. Jackson isn't going to open you up. They just don't have those players. Sterling is waiting for someone to help him do that they don't have it so all he had to do is sit back and they were actually a better side they were able to counter Chelsea because even the fact when he had the high line when he went as high as he did before Chelsea get their third 
Son has an opportunity to to drag one back and he just puts it wide to the post. And it's a good opportunity. Like they, they were able to create these problems for Chelsea, but they literally left the back door wide open. And like for some for a manager meant to be of his stature and caliber now that's come in with all these bright ideas and all that, for him not to be able to see how big of an issue that was, that should actually be very concerning for Spurs fans. Because what's what's to stop him in future doing that again? Because his statement after the game was, I'm always going to have a go. Like, that's just nonsense. Yeah, like, but to put the, get, but get the way... To, there's, no, there's no pride in that. No, but the way to have a go is, right? You just said it there. Chelsea can't open you up. So what do you do? You go in with nine and you say, right, tell you what we're going to do. We're just going to go four, four, right? And we're just going to have a goalkeeper who's, who's really fucking good, by the way. Uh, we're going to go four, four. But what are Chelsea sus- uh, susceptible to? Definitely the break, right? Yeah. Because Conor Gallagher doesn't know how to go the other way. Simple as that. Thiago Silva, whatever his fucking name is, he's 41 or something, right? Cucciarella, I think, is no good going back the other way. So you have Son, you have Kulisevsky, you have players that can come on with a bit of pace, and you say to yourself, sit in. And all it will take is for us to win a ball in midfield and one ball in, and we can get in behind these genuinely, even though they've 11 on the pitch, but they went completely the other way. Sorry, Jamie, I think you're going to say something there before I jumped in. Do you know what made it like worse? Because I was watching it, right? And I was actually watching it with my son, and he was like, Dad, why why are they so high? Like, he's 11, like, and he, he literally said that to me. And if you made a good point there, Gav, about talking about Liverpool's high line, but the reason that that was so effective is because of the way that Liverpool pressed. Liverpool looked to condense the pitch and would try and win the ball back high and they try and shorten the, the, the pitch. But when Spurs did it, there was no pressing. It was literally just a straight line. So yeah. basically, you're allowing Chelsea time on the ball and then spacing behind. They are... The two worst combinations you can ever they looked, give it. They look like they look like eight fellas in the Olympics on the starting blocks. That's what they look like. <laughs> if they were like literally starting going right, ready, steady, right, he's kicked it. Let's everyone run towards their goal and see who can get there the quickest. It was it was insane. And look, they've suffered now because um Doggy, isn't that his name? He he looks like he's out is he out for one game? Two yellows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, out as well, though, as well. out as well. You have Van der Ven that looks like he's out for a couple of months. They had pictures of him in training yesterday. What was that fake Van der Ven? Ah, look, I don't know. What was he doing? I don't know. Must have been just smoking. He, he had him in the blade and gym. Smoking. He's just smoking. He's relaxed. He's, he's fucked. <laughs> he's um, no, Jimmy, you know, I saw kid. that. I saw that there was, he was on a treadmill or something. They're like, ah, he filled everyone. I'm like, is this fake? This this fucker went off like hamstring. <laughs> is this, is this world actually real? Um, but then you have then you have um, Madison. I'm not too sure on, but I think that might have been a precaution. And they're going into a period of difficult games, and then they're going to have the, I think isn't isn't the Asian games and uh, Son will be out, and then they're going to be missing Basuma and Sar. So it's starting to pile up a little bit, and they've suffered in that way. Um, Romero has gone for three. Someone said that could be four actually, because it might be a second red of the season. I'm not too sure, but look, it's three anyway. So um, they've suffered off the back of that. I just. <clears throat> I, I, the more I think of it, I think Sean is right. Um, and I don't know, he mightn't even listen to this, so you, you know, he doesn't have to take the credit. But Sean has said to me on a couple of occasions, they're building this fella up before they just slap the head off him. And um, yeah. that could be coming soon. He, he's three or four weeks away from the press putting Crocodile Dundee hats on him and superimposing James Madison's face onto koala bears and just taking the absolute <laughs> piss out of him. That's, honestly, this, yeah. this is a complete setup to come down. They, they're waiting yeah. for it. 
Yeah. This if they don't put his head on Al Stewart from home and away, I, I think they've missed a massive. A massive <laughs> to be trick. fair, to be fair to Spurs, they did lose the run of themselves, but at least they didn't release a single like Everton did when they were top of the league. That that, that oh, takes that takes the beating. You know what I mean? Just the 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 in in, in the August, best. and they release a single. So yeah, at least they, <laughs> they didn't quite beat them. Ever great. Um, <laughs> look, we're talking about one manager there, and um, I, I kind of wanted to touch on something. Um, that hasn't has there been a manager sacked in the Premier League this season? I'm not too sure. Um, uh, your man left, didn't? Was it Lopetegui? No, he went before the season started, didn't he? Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. There hasn't been one sacked, I don't think. But we're approaching that marker. It's always around the 15 game marker, 15 to 20 games, and you know, end of November to the start of January. That's when 15 to 20 game 15 to 20 usually takes place, and that's where teams usually bite the bullet and go, no, we have to press the button here, and we have to press it quick. Um, just. People will think there's obvious ones there like Heckingbottom and, and different things. But when you look at the way the league is going, um, is there anybody really obvious for you as a fourth choice? And is there anyone there where you go, oh, he's in real trouble, this fella? Uh, Donor, go on, I'll start with you. I'd say Ariola's the Bournemouth. Bournemouth. Yeah. That's Ariola, isn't it? I think yeah, he's, the, like he's the obvious candidate. He's already got a vote of confidence. That's never a good thing. Yeah. Um, Heckingbottom, obviously, at Sheffield United. Uh, not too many after that, Gav. I think there could be one or two maybe surprising ones. That, you know, these random ones where you don't see it coming at all and a manager just gets the boot after one or two losses. But, like, Ten Hag, you you think should be under pressure considering his last nine games nine games out of 17. Um, but he's he is the fans in a headlock. They won't get rid of him. It's, it's the Glazers they want, so... He's gonna hang on in there for that. I don't I'd say he could lose another four games on the bounce and they still wouldn't turn against them. So but like I think it's Ariola from Bournemouth is my obvious choice for next up to get to get the bullet. But apart from that, it's hard to see who else is because if you look at the league table, everyone's kind of where they should be nearly. There's no one really underperforming or there's not many overperforming. United and Chelsea, yeah, but Pochettino's probably gonna get more time there as well, you'd expect, wouldn't you? The, the the wild one for me it it's ten hog it has to be like I, yeah. everybody everybody sat there going I hope they don't sack him because they know he's a bluffer like the, <laughs> the, the guy like if you know I always use the example right you know when Arteta came in to Arsenal right I, I think at the start some of the results went against them but you could see very early on the type of manager he was going to be and more importantly, the type of side he wanted to build. You could see he was trying to put his philosophy in place. Ten Hag's been at United a while now. I have absolutely no idea what type of team they are. They've spent 400 million there or thereabouts. They're worse, in my opinion. Um, This is a guy... And it's this. This is all. This was a big tell for me, right? He's clearly listening to the negative noises because the 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 chain of thought that's come out recently is he was a manager that likes to dominate the ball when he was at Ajax. There has been no sign of that at Manchester United. They're still a counter-attacking team, and he started talking about it in a press conference the other day about how he's not been able to do that. Like, I'm sorry. There's, there's managers in the Premier League with much lesser budgets and much lesser players that have been able to get a tune out of players and get them playing in a specific style. I I do not see one redeeming feature. He's turned players... In, in my my opinion, I think he's he's treated players badly. He's made bad Appallingly. decisions. Like, really poorly. He's trying to do the hard line with the dressing room. And in my opinion, I, I, I don't think the players are playing for him. So, for, for me... 
look, as a Liverpool fan, I'm absolutely delighted. I hope he stays there forever because he he will send that club further and further down. But the idea of Manchester United giving him another transfer window and a load of dough, uh, and this idea that it's not his fault and it's all the Glazers, Manchester United will set themselves back years if they keep him in charge. But the, he fucked his philosophy out the window after four games last year. Yeah, but the counter the counter argument against and I I get the ten hag stuff. I don't, I don't know like and again I speak to United fans on a daily basis, right? And and they're very sensible in what they say. You know they're not like you know up one minute down the next. They're very sensible, and their argument they are, they do say to me, I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what the style is. He said. I'd actually rather if he came out and said, look, um, with the players we have and the players we brought in, we feel that um, we're, we're a better counter-attacking team. Or we're, we feel like we're not, we wouldn't be the best pressing team, but when you get to a certain area, we know we can we can shut you down and, and hurt you. Or, or something along them lines, but there seems to be nothing there. It seems to be very Ole Gunnar Solskjaer type, type stuff. And as well as that, I think his demeanour is very Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Standing on the sideline, not a word of him, not interacting with his staff, you know, the zip up over the fucking chain. It's very like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Go back and look at Solskjaer when we beat, you know, you're five nil at Old Trafford and it's literally the same, it's literally the same person standing there. But the counter-argument on Ten Hag is, I think they're about six or seven points off top four, which they'll point to, right? But I know six or seven points is after 11 games. You know what I mean? If things go the way they're going, after, after 15 games, to be 15 points off, off top four. And I get what, I, I 100% get what you're saying, Jamie, like to give him another load of money, look what he's brought in. But the problem is, if you replace him, A, it costs you to replace him, right? And B, a fella comes in and goes, I don't like any of them. So you're going to have to give me another 500 million Right, and we're gonna have to sell these at fucking, you know, bargain basement prices because my yeah, philosophy is now what's in place, and that's where United are stuck because there's so, no philosophy whatsoever. There's nothing. Even if even if he had a philosophy and you could see what he's trying to do, but it's just not working because he lacks a bit of quality, you could easily go right. Well, let's. Who has a similar philosophy? Manager A. Bring him in. He will get a better tune out of these players, and the outlay in money will be vastly reduced in what we're trying to improve here. But it just seems to be reset after reset, and reset costs massive, massive money. The only manager who has a similar out-style out of his fucking old leg on a salt chair, you know what I mean? So they're not going to go back to him. Yeah, well, that depends on what you think the philosophy is. Like, the Zerbi is being linked there, but I think you'd be mad. I think anyone coming up in the game, like, if you take a De Zerbi or, a, say, even a Xavi Alonso, Right, who's doing great work of Boyle Leverkusen, and United come along and go, you've been brilliant at Boyle Leverkusen, will you come to United? Forget the Liverpool links for a minute, but he comes to, will you come here and will you do this? Madness. Fucking madness. It, for, for players and coaches, I think, at the moment, it's become a bit of a graveyard. You you mentioned the Zerbi there, and I agree with you. I think he'd be mad to go there. I think his stock could not be higher. But if you're going to look at the tune that he has got, and this is, in no way a disrespect to Brighton at all, because I actually love watching them. I think they're a great team, um, and I think he's an absolute joy as a coach. Um, but if if you look at, let's say, value of players, Manchester United compared to Brighton, if De Zerbi goes into Manchester United tomorrow, you give him three months, Manchester United are an immeasurably better football team. And that is without spending any money whatsoever. He will get a structure and a way of playing and he will um, he will get the footballers wanting to play football. Manchester United play football like they're scared. 
And that comes from a lack of leadership and an unhappy dressing room. I think De Zerbi is the is the poster boy for what Manchester United should be going for. But because of and look, not to go into the glazes and all that, I don't think they've got strong strong enough football people that are making the right type of football decisions to go and bring somebody like him in. Um, and unfortunately for United, I think they're going to end up staying with Ten Hag now because it's it's kind of that narrative of. Well, we've had loads of managers now, so we just need to kind of stick with this one for a bit. When actually, they need someone to be brave and say, "Look, no, we are we are on the slide. This is this is not the direction the club needs to be going in, and we need to bring somebody else in." Yeah, I think I think the ten high one's going to be interesting. I think how that Champions League group falls is going to be massive because, like, if they go out with the Champions League in three or four weeks' time, and say for argument's sake they're ten points off top four. They're out of Europe. Their top four is looking very difficult. And they're facing into a season next year where they've no Champions League. And believe it or not, no matter how big Manchester United are, they need the money. Everyone needs the money. Doesn't matter how big you are. You know, if you if you look into United's finances, like they were they were scraping around for loans at the end of the transfer window because the amount of actual cash they have to go and spend or credit lines they have just isn't there like people think it is. And that well look, you can point that back to the glazers and what they take out, but they've spent a shitload. Do you know what I mean? So it's not gonna affect so the Ten Hag one will probably and I know this sounds obvious, become a lot, a lot clearer off the back of the Champions League group and possibly, I would say, the results between now and early January where you kind of go, there's a much clearer picture here. But at the moment, the way they play, they look like you can run through them at will. Um, they still have some threat. But if you walk hard, you beat Manchester United. Walk hard and you beat Manchester United. It's as simple as that. Um, so a few people have mentioned, Keith, a few people have mentioned company um, in there. I think out of the ones that have come up, he's the most likely because I think Heckenbottom is genuinely working with a squad that could realistically finish anywhere from forced to probably 15th in the championship next season if you plunk them straight into the championship next mm. season. That's the squad he have. And their outlook over the summer was literally we're up here, isn't the fucking great crack lads. We're not spending the fucking load of money, right? And then Luton, Luton or Luton, 10,000 seat stadium. Yeah amazing to get up a huge injection of money for them and we'll probably take that money from the Premier League that one parachute payment go back in the championship and look to build over the next couple of years Burnley though look like they've gone for this big philosophy and it's just not working Keith because they're so easy to play against and they just don't have the tray when do we play them? well Sunday straight after Brentford Um. Yeah, now look, I I don't know. I think Burnley were they were so um indoctrinated to Sean Deutsch's way of playing that they wanted something that was, you know, football, football. They wanted to see teams playing and all that. And company is trying to do that and he done very well in the championship, but it's a big step up. And if you don't have that quality, you're always gonna struggle. Do you know what I mean? At the end of the day, you're always gonna struggle if you don't have that. So I I think I don't. Th- I think Heckenbottom is the most likely out of three. That just because fucking Gene Wilder is being linked with the job again, um, Gene Wilder. whatever his fucking name is, is being linked with the job again, and there's murmurs there. But I agree, you know, they're where they're expected to be. Do you know what I mean? Rob Edwards, that's his name, isn't it? Yeah. Rob Edwards. All he needs is a win. One win this season. He's clearly getting a tune out of them, Keith. Exactly, exactly, Jamie. And all he needs is not to be the worst side, which people thought he would be the worst ever Premier League team. 
once you you get a couple of wins and you you go down because the expectation is you probably will go down. You go up, you get a parachute payment, you go down, and it's like rugby build again. Once you're not sitting up late in January and you've two points, I don't think one of the man, uh, chairmen will get the trigger finger for those promoted teams. I think uh, as as the lads have touched on there, that's that's par for where they probably be. The one I think is the most likely, apart from Ten Hag, is uh, Steve Cooper at Forest. Okay. I think so. I think he's doing a good job there. And I think they're not in that conversation at the moment, but I think their chairman is a bit wild. And I think a few... Do you think he has more chance of being sacked if he t- if he gets into the, say, the the back end of January on 30 points? Oh, he could be. That's because what I then, think they, does... then they look, oh, let's go to bigger and better things, Steve Cooper. See, that's girl. what I think does, yeah. does that underlying thing with Forrest there that... They, they, the money and the players they brought. And I look at the, the caliber of player that they brought in as well. You know what I mean? They've brought in some big players. Your man Sangari that we were linked with. They brought in Montiel mm. that won the World Cup for Argentina with the penalty. You know, they've brought in a big, big quality of player. And I think the expectation of their chairman will... I think he'll be the one that gets the itch, itchy finger first. And I think Cooper will be the one that suffers. Not that I think he deserves it. I think he's a good coach. I think he's a very good coach. But I think it'll be something like that. I think you're looking at um, the, the promoted ones, I think it'll be for par. Unless the ghost of Neil Warnock is hanging over a few of them, as you'd expect. Do you know what I mean? He's he's always going to be there or thereabouts. But I just think it'll be I think it'll be Steve Cooper that'll be the one that goes for Or Iroyola, because again, you know, you're only there isn't many of those firefighters around, though, is there anymore? There's no they seem to be moving Sam's or there's no fucking Pardews or any of these. You know, yeah. dinosaurs coming out of the woodwork anymore to take these jobs. There's not that kind of pressure on people anymore, is there? Well, that's true. Not like there was, you know, a few years ago. They were all there, Steve Bruce and all, hanging around yeah. waiting on someone to blame Lewis. But Big Hello. Sam's knocking around now because he's been in the uh, he's been in the the running for the island job. He's been in the list for that. So, it, and look, people oh, people turn the nose up at this fella. If I ask you, if I ask you. An honest question now, who has a better chance of keeping Sheffield United in the Premier League, Sam Allardyce or the current manager? Yeah, Sam Allardyce, yeah, I agree with you 100%. Yeah, but I think I think the actual chance they have is minimal regardless because I think... I, I agree, but if you, were to, if you were to say, right, okay, red or black here, stay up or go down, you're going to put, put the house on it, would you go Sam Allardyce? Every single day of the week, I would you, go Sam Allardyce. You probably Allardyce. would, but I think, I think like... If if you're to pick a team down there that you you, you put Sam Allardyce in charge of right now, for me, it's Burnley. Mm-hmm. And you say, look, you've tried this. Do right? you think he has the tools, though, Gav, at Burnley? Well, well, you see, the, the thing with Burnley for me is, is that if you go back to the Sean Dyche days, right, and I don't think Sean Dyche is out of trouble either. I think if something comes down the road with this points deduction or everything and things start to fall apart really quickly, a few have turned on him already. And I think, you know, when Everton fans turn, you know, the bills are just amazing. But the three o'clock kickoffs, um, where you watch them live on a Saturday from Goodison Park, there's nothing like them because the the, the mics are right beside the bullens and it's just fucking exquisite fucking view. Um but the if you go back to the Deutsch days at Burnley, right? They they didn't spend loads of money, but they went down this route where they start fucking removing players from underneath them. Do you remember your man that went he ended up at Newcastle? The Irish fella, Hendrick. Oh. Like he was just like, oh, he's gone. And Deutsch was like, what? 
And they went, they, they actually tried to, to, to go like 180 on this where it was hard work and it was, you know, um, your man up front, your man, the little bollocks he was up front. Uh, I can't remember his name now. You know him, he dived oh, on Anfield. Actually, yeah. um, they, they had the likes of him, uh, Chris Ward. They were all hard working players, right? And now they've, they've kind of done a 180 where companies come in and like companies just fucking bought the manual for Guardiola, you know, but he's bought the kind of uh, heavily redacted one and he's trying to work out where all the blacked out fucking words are and he's not really working out what's going on, but he's trying his best. And Burnley for me, I think we get pissed off at this fairly quickly because as much as it was boring to watch Burnley and as much as they didn't entertain, they competed. Right now, Burnley aren't competing. There's a lot of young players in that. It's a lot of what they consider technical players and a certain way of playing. And he's just getting pulled apart every week. And as we go back to Ange, Postacoglu and eight men along the the, the, the the halfway line, I think companies doing this in a bigger picture sort of way where he's having whole games with 11 players to adjust to what he's doing and he's simply not doing it. You know, like, Burnley should be coming out, and all this is, no disrespect to them, but Burnley should be coming out going, we want to play our football, but we have to be hard to be, and they're not. And Burnley... I think will be the one that would trigger the likes of a Sam. I think if I was to put money on it, I think the Barman one's a show because he wears brand new runners in the lashing rain, which does me head in, does me head in he last week. Like they were brand new in the, in the lashings of rain, like who fucking sent them out like that? But <laughs> I think if I was to an outside bet, not far off the Barman fella, I think it might be. I think it might be company. I think Barman or Burnley might just go. This is a walking. Let's just go back to what we know. And I'm not saying it's right. But I think that's what Marty might do. I like I long I like company. Um I, I hope it's not him. Um and I think he's probably suffering from that thing that you know you, you have it a lot when you have teams that play a certain way in the championship. And the big question is you can't do that in the Premier League. You can't do that in the Premier League. You've got to take your medicine. I, I respect him for trying to do it. I don't think he's got the players to do it personally. Um so I think there has got to be an element of taking your medicine a little bit. Um but I actually really like the way he talks about the the game. I think I, I respected him massively as a player, and I respect what he's trying to get the Burnley players to do. It's a complete and utter culture shift from what they've always known. So there was always going to be teething problems. I think what he did in the Championship was fantastic. I just think he needs players. I think he needs players to play the the way that that he wants. The challenge he has as a manager, though, Gav, is if he's sat in a dressing room and he's preached a particular way of playing. And then all of a sudden they get into the Premier League and he starts panicking and, and changing the way that the players in the dressing room aren't soft. They'll know quite quickly that he doesn't trust us here. And everything that he's been preaching to us for the last however many seasons as now at the first time of trouble, he's he's, he's packed up well, and well, changed his mind. That's the tough one. But then it's probably on Vincent Company where, say, Burnley, say my argument completely goes out the window and Burnley say, we trust you. 100%, we're going to go with this, right? Is Vincent Company willing to be in the Premier League for a year, go down, do the championship thing all again, and then come up? And even if they say to me, if you go down and come up, we're willing to put X amount in, is he willing to wait what would be two years to, to prove what he's trying to do? I don't know, he would. To go back to the uh, the the Big Ange thing, right? And see the way I said Big Ange rather than say his second name because I thought I was going to get it wrong there. Yeah. Um, I would rather, I know this, I'm going to contradict myself here. I would probably rather, as a player in a dressing room, see a manager stick to his principles and come unstuck 
than go against everything that he's been telling me because do you know why i'd be like he really believes in this so if he really believes in this we'll all rally behind and we'll we'll put the plans in place if i spotted the manager who for shit himself the first sign of trouble the dressing room would soon turn they'd start talking and and, and you get ten, 10 hog syndrome exactly everybody knows he's he's a dead man walking so it's it dressing, dressing rooms are ruthless places and um, i'd rather see a manager stick to the principles and and uh, we go out on the shield, I guess. I know it sounds stupid. You, but... can, you can pull that back to Ten Hag last season with the Ronaldo situation. Ronaldo called him out as a bluffer early on when he fucked his philosophy out the window because they lost a couple of games. Remember at the very start? Yeah. And Maguire kept, Maguire kept giving the ball away. They couldn't play out from the back. Ronaldo called him up and called him a bluffer, basically. And they had a big falling out in training and whatnot. And that's... You can see from that point on, the problems kept mounting and mounting and mounting for him. And that's your point there, Jamie, is you, you probably the tr- players in the dressing room are probably looking and saying, this fella hasn't a dicky about what he's at. And he has no conviction in his in what he's trying to put across to us as well. Let's just play the game. Do you know what I mean? We'll just collect our wages, go out and perform. We'll pick up wins here and there. And they played the counter-attacking style. They were blessed that Rashford landed in that form that he did. You remove him from that team last year and like, God knows where United oh. end up. Just just quickly before we go, because uh, Zach asked a question very early on, which I have there. He says, what is one football rule that you would implement? love to see implemented. It can be anything. So have a little think about that before we go. But one last thing. Um, we're looking we're, we're looking at um, what's going on over at Chelsea. And we know that your man's mad. Right? He's just mad. But um, just a yes or no, does, does Pochettino see out the season at Chelsea? Dunner? No. Jamie? Keith? No. Gav? No. Not a fucking hope. Uh, the <laughs> turn, turn of the year, they're about fucking 12 points off the top four, whatever it is, and he's out the, out the gap. Does he make it past the January window? Or do they panic and get rid of him and bring someone else in and give them fucking 600 million to buy But they don't players? give him 600 million. They just give him 600 million more to players and go here. Yeah, yeah, that's you know true. It's like going into a restaurant and you just throw a lot of food in the table and go, we don't care if you like it. Just eat it. Give it a shout, boy. Jose yeah. back. Jose back? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Do, you, do you know, talking of Jose, his stock, when you look at what he did with that Manchester United team and the absolute shit show that has followed, I think he did, didn't he say something like it was one of his biggest achievements? Yeah. Yeah. And he wasn't taking the piss. Yeah, he's got the role and won a European Cup. Yeah. yeah, didn't he win the treble? Remember, he won the treble, didn't he? He was yeah, the charity shield, there was a league cup, I think it was a charity shield and the Zenith Data Systems Cup or something. Yeah. He won, um, that was the crack. Um, football rules you love to see implemented, it can be anything. Anyone got anything? It's not a rule, but. I used to love when I used to play, right? You'd be allowed one tackle, right? So, like, you'd be literally you. be able to, like, oh, literally kick someone in the throat, yeah. and you go, It's me first one ref, and yeah. you go, All right, then. I'd like to see that brought back in because as it, an, official, ever, an official, an official, you're allowed yeah. one, yeah. You're it was yeah, just a bleeding, just a load of bleeding, order them all the ambulances fucking at the side yeah. of the pitch. Waiting for the carnage to unfold. I've had enough of all these fannies playing football. Just bring back the, the leveler. The leveler. The reducer. The reducer, yeah. Um I'd I'd love to see throw ins gone. Kick I'd ins. To, what? Kick ins. Replace yeah. it with kick ins. Yeah, yeah. Kick ins, but no offside from them. 
same as a troll. It would be fucking brilliant. And can you do like long pings? Like you can keep yeah. it wherever you Yeah. Oh, that'll be good. Yeah. That's cool. So That's so so do you know so so you know like say for argument's sake a team are winning. It's near the end of the game and a fella fucking just runs the ball out of play sixty yards from his goal, thinking and boots it into the fucking stand, right? So instead of having to throw back to the keeper and thing, you just go, Is that right? Yeah. And you can just place it anywhere within three yards from the sideline into the in, inside of the pitch. And there's no offside me. And you can just latch everyone up the fucking pitch on top of the goalkeeper and lamp her into the box. No offsides. Do you know what it ended up like? You remember you remember that player who used to play for Tramia, Dave Chalmer? Yeah, and he used yeah to the Chalmer. Or Rory yeah. Delap, yeah. I think it was, for yeah. Stoke. Yeah. You just have that anywhere or in and around the halfway line, just ping it in the box. Yeah, I think... You know, I think that played for Liverpool as well, Megan Campbell. She had a blade and whopper troll as well, didn't she? The Irish one. I think... Uh, yeah, yeah. Them, yeah. But, I, but do away with the trolls. Do away with the trolls. Tell you what, I think, I think oh, do you know what, make it optional, make it optional because there is times where the ball goes out and you pick a ball up quick and throw it quick. I think there should be an option where you can throw it or kick it. Now, people will argue, ah, oh, but then you get fellas that will be delaying the kick, but they delay the throws anyway, do you know what I mean? But they, they could do a whole thing around this where if you're defending and if there's a team defending, they're trying to slow play down and the ball goes out for a throw in, and they, oh, we're going to throw it, oh no, how long am I going to kick it? You can just blow the whistle and turn it around. The decision's gone the other way. Bit like a foul throw, the other way. So now you're trying to run down time. Now you're defending a ball being lashed into the box with no offside. I think it'd be brilliant. That's what I'm going for. Do you know what I'd love? I'd love to see the penalty shootouts go back to what they trialed in the States yes. in the 90s. Oh, the MLS yes. penalties. Yeah. No, hold on. Yeah. There was, wasn't there From two the versions line. of this? Wasn't yeah, that one, yeah, there was yeah, a version yeah. where you ran from the highway alone. There's also a version where the keepers used to throw the ball at each other. Yeah, yeah, that's which was amazing. Yeah, that was good. Actually. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm going with that. The penalties in the halfway line. Oh man, the, the awkwardness of watching the players run from there with no one around them and no yeah. one. And you only had ten seconds or something, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you only the defenders just look so uncomfortable doing it as well. Yeah, Robbie Keane had to do it when he was at Inter Milan. They'd yeah, they've done it. They've done, done it in a pre-season yeah. thing. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> it, here's one for you. If you're gonna, if you go back to the reducer, right? If you're allowed one reducer on one player, who are you picking to do the reducer on? Gary Neville. Oh yeah. Oh, are we going commentators? Because if we can, I'll oh, go well, Jake used to play. What a dickhead, oh. Jake Humphries is. I'll go Jake Humphries. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. He's a dickhead. Yeah, I'll give it that. <laughs> We're just making Bruno a more questions. Fernandez. Bruno Fernandez would be one. He's, he's a, a fucker. A... So hold on. Ah, yeah, so Jamie, Jamie has the reducer, but he's also kicking ex-players. Jake Humphries. I'm up for. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dunner's going for the penalties on the hat wheel, and I'm going for get rid of the optional kick-ins. Right, with no offside from it, same as a throw. Keith, what are you going for? Nothing funny. I'm going for a serious one. I'm going for a, a clock stopping every time the ball's out of play because the amount of time wasting and the amount of time the ball is actually in play in a game is fucking ridiculous. So I'd stop the clock every time it goes out. You have a set time of, let's say, 30 minutes a half. I don't even know if that's too long. I'm putting no research into this. I don't know how long a ball stays in play in a game. It could be 25 minutes. It could be 35. I don't know. But I'd see, find out what the average The average is about is. 55 to 60 minutes. In a match? Yep. So there you go. I'd put 25 minute first half, 25 minute second half, and the, the play stops every time. Because time wasting is fucking disgusting and you see it all even seen it in the Toulouse game earlier on in the injury time your man going down doesn't get doesn't get touched rolls around waste a minute you know I'd, I'd cut all that out but um yeah that's mine 
Okay. I Actually was going says, for a more serious angle. You were going for the funny stuff. Ah, no, mine's not funny. Mine's serious. Because you were a football man, Keith. Football on, man. Yours isn't funny. You're, got, you're doing the stuff my blading on the tens team do. Yeah, so it's part of football. We're just bringing it into a different realm. Ashley says that she uh, she would genuinely want to see challenge flags from the for the coaches or managers for oh, bad ref yeah. calls. That'd be That'd mental. Be good. Yeah. But you'd have to. It would have to be compulsory to have really mental American commentators. It won't work if Peter Rory's doing it. Just won't work. Yeah. Can you imagine Arteta's face though if he'd have challenged that one where he th- thought it went out and then it turns yeah. out and you have to see his face when he just has to sit yeah. back down. That'd oh, be that'd be good. That would be good. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um I've enjoyed that. Um we've gone over the hour, but that's allowed. Um before we go, um and I before I get the final thoughts from the lads, uh the November thing I forgot to mention earlier. Like I said, the link is in the description. If you want to donate, please do so if you can. Whether it's a quid, two, five, ten, whatever it is, it helps us out. Um, as a group, I think we've gone over the thousand euro mark. Um, but as the talking cop part of that, we're around two fifty. So we re- we're pushing towards a thousand on our own as well as close as we can. So do that. But um, my name's say Gavin from WeAreLiverpool.ie came back to me and he went, Gav, listen, do you remember the hats you were selling last year, the Trippers hats? He said, I've about 12 of them left. So if you want a bit of what's nostalgia now, right? Uh, what he's going to do retro. is... Yeah, retro. If you go onto WeAreLiverpool.ie and you order one of them hats, he's given... We're giving air cut and he's given his cut. So no money's being made on them. And he's going to give every single cent back to November. All right. So, um, you know, I think there's about 12 of them left. So if 12 people buy these hats, it's going to mean a nice little wedge for, for November, if you can do that. Uh, the the memberships are open on the channel. People are still asking about what's going on there. It's 3 99 a month. You will still get every show. You can download them. No problem. No problem at all. There'll still be three shows on the channel all week that are free. And then there'll be three, four, five, whatever it is, um, in the membership stuff. Um, but like I said, if you don't want to sign up for it, it's cool. We're in 12 hours of it being in the members kind of area. It will be available for download. So you're not going to miss any content. It's just the way you're seeing it. People have asked. Um, there's one person in particular. Um, his name's gone out of my head. I'll think of it down in a minute. He said, like, what's going on? Listen, I've told you about the difficulties with YouTube. I've, I've gone through it endlessly. Okay. The, there was two options here. One, completely come off YouTube and lose all this interaction and just go down the download route. Or two, ask people to support us with membership stuff and keep the interaction there and also keep all the content there for people. That's what we've gone down. If it doesn't work, we'll end up coming away from it. All right? We'll end up coming away from it, but we'll probably end up going as an audio podcast only because YouTube is extremely difficult right now to deal with. It's ex- Go and ask people. It's extremely difficult. Does genuinely more and more and more work going into it for less and less and less return. And that's not because the people that watch aren't putting in the effort or the people that are putting out the content aren't putting in the effort. It's the person that is in the middle. You know who that is, right? Or that company or that platform is. It's just making it impossible at this stage. So that's what we're doing. If you want to support us, brilliant. 
If you don't and you want to watch the shows for free, great. And you want to listen to the rest downloads, we are not going to take any content away from you. You are still going to get all of the content. It's just the way you want to take it in. Do you want to download it? Do you want to watch the free and then get the member stuff where you can still interact live and stuff like that? There's some series coming as well. There's a six-part series coming up on something which we're working on at the moment. And we're going to do as many of them as we can um, to thank you for, for the support and stuff like that. But the six-part series will then be available for download at a four point as well so it's don't tell them that you know what i mean no that's the truth i'm gonna be perfectly honest with you do you know what i mean so Um, is there like secret shows behind this where we can like swear loads and like talk about oh no well we do that anyway um, I was going to say, yeah, do I swear yeah. all the time on these things? It's been a while, mate. You know, that's, just fucking... that's why YouTube are causing all the trouble. <laughs> yeah, um, but like, like Keith's fucking, you know, I think Jim Wilder's uh, <laughs> fucking brief is going to be on to us now in a few minutes. But yeah, um, not to worry. But look, that's what we're doing. If you can help us, grand. If you can't, we're not going to rob you of any of the content. Simply not. That's not going to happen. But that's where we are with it. But we are Liverpool.ie. Fair play to them. And we've decided to give our, all our cut from these hats, and they've done the same. So every penny bar costs um, will go to Movember if you want to get one of these. We are Liverpool.ie. Go to the website, scroll down, you'll see the hat there. Go and get it, and that would be your donation, knowing that every penny that you've given into that will go back into it. Um, anything else before we go, Keith? No, not much, Gav. No, it'd be a shame to go audio only, especially when you get the eye candy back like Jamie and Dunn are there. You know what I mean? It yeah. would be would be terrible to have to do this over audio. So, look. I, I called Dunner a name before we come on. I likened him to um, Donald McIntyre when he turned up on screen. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. I thought we were being investigated for something. Um, but he just said it to the Gav. I just watched me hair. I'm in a jocker. So we let him away with it. Um, Dunner, anything else before we go? <laughs> Not an awful lot, Gav. No, I tell you, just uh, I wouldn't be panicking too much about the pool just yet. Seemed like no. there was a little bit of panic going on earlier on in the chat there. Yeah. You could see yeah. a few yeah. people there. Yeah, but Emmett is going to the game fast. on Sunday, so if I was you, I would panic. Emmett's a big <laughs> yeah. uh, All you need now is Emmett going to the match with Phil Casey, and you're guaranteed Liverpool aren't winning on Sunday. Genuinely. Dickles already says we're winning, so that's how <coughs> it's game over. Who said? Dicko. Dicko's another John. I don't mind him. Uh, Jamie, anything else before we go? No, just good to be back on, that. It's been a while, so it's nice uh, nice to see you all and uh, some familiar faces or names, I should say, in the chat. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to getting back on again. Good stuff, good stuff. Well, as I said, um, we've, a, we've a wide range of people that are participating in the shows. And um, like I said, we make it available to the lads every week. And in fairness, they all turn up and they all do the shows. And having Jamie there, Dunner, Keith... Uh, Matt, Chris, uh, Bracky, fucking Kev, whoever, there's everyone, Shawnee, uh, Emmett, there's loads and loads of people coming in and giving their views, so um, we're doing our absolute best for you. That has been the Talking Cop for Thursday night. It is Thursday, isn't it, Keith? Yep. Yeah. Keith, before we yep. go, what song are we listening to over the weekend? What are we going for? Right. I've, I've strung out on the new Beatles one night, I have to right. say. It got what a lot of fucking stick. I think it's really good. It got a lot of stick. But yeah. I think it's really good. But that's not the one, Gav. That's not the right. one because I've been listening. What's your take on Derek and the Dominoes? Derek and the Dominoes. Give us a chance. Derek and the Dominoes is Eric Clapton, right? And Layla is the big hit. You know, Layla. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. Right? So that was the big hit. They only had one album and 
1970 or 69 or something like that. Layla and other assorted love songs. They do a cover of a Jimi Hendrix song. That's, that's the name of the album. Oh, is it? It's called. Oh, ah, Jesus. I've just pulled these up on Spotify, Keith. The, 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 the stays of them both. Is that you? Derek you said that was Eric Clapton. Derek and the Dominoes. Eric Clapton. Yeah, it's Eric Clapton. So their only song is Layla, but they don't a cover Layla, of a Jimi Hendrix another, song. And, and another, no, another the album, assorted, other love, assorted songs. love songs. Yeah. Well. But they do a cover of a Jimi Hendrix song called Little Wing. And it's the best cover version I've ever heard. So get on and give that a go. Derek and the Dominoes, Little Wing. You might want to listen to the Jimi Hendrix version as well, just to see how amazing it is. But yeah, that's who I'm on at the moment, Gav. Strung out on Derek and the Dominoes. Yeah, give them a go. As I said, that has been talking cop for this Thursday. Um, What, tomorrow? Nothing tomorrow, nothing Saturday. Two shows Sunday. And then we get into the membership video starting next week. But like I said, there'll be three shows on this channel next week as well for you all to watch. Go on. Before we go, before we go, before we go, Red Steve says Layla outro over Layla intro. And I couldn't agree more. The Layla outro, the piano bit at the end that goes on for about 10 minutes is one of the best pieces of music ever. The intro is amazing as well. Yeah. Tor says it's just a shame Clapton's a bit of a bell end. He is a, an absolute bell end, but yeah, he's still the, in the top three guitar players of all time. So Yeah, but he called him. himself Derek and the Dominoes and called his album Layla and other assorted love songs. So listen, yeah. make it happen <laughs> as you on, will. You know, the heroin at the time, you know what right, I mean? Keith, is there anything else you want to say, Keith, now? No, no, that's it. That's you done? it. All good. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Go on, love you. You're a dear friend. Talk to you in a bit. Over there. Sports Social Podcast Network.